Hello, my fellow Bitcoiners, meet the status credit card. Earn unlimited 2% cash back or Bitcoin rewards on every purchase with no annual fee, no foreign transaction fees, and no fees to buy Bitcoin at the market rate. This card comes with status money's premium benefits to help you manage your money, including a net worth and spending tracker, peer comparisons, and the option to video chat with a financial coach. Download the status money app or visit statusmoney.com slash card. Get the status credit card, go to statusmoney.com forward slash card. As the world moves increasingly towards the mainstream adoption of Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will make it possible to materialize your assets in real estate. Through the collateralization of mortgages with Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will be launching lending solutions to allow investors to easily leverage their assets to purchase investment in owner-occupied properties. Moon Mortgage's crypto mortgage will be launching soon for home buyers in Texas, Florida, and Colorado, and will be open to investors in most states across the U.S. for investment properties. Welcome to the future of mortgages. Visit moonmortgage.io today to register your interest and learn more. Moon Mortgage Residential is registered with the NMLS under number 235334. What's up, everybody? We are back. Another episode of your favorite macro central bank podcast. My name is Ansel Lindner. Also back to the show this week is CK. CK, how are you doing, man? What's up? I'm back. Sorry, I've been gone for so long, but happy to be back. And uh, yeah, I, I personally have been listening to FedWatch uh, with you and Nolan and really enjoying you two dissecting everything in macro, but I'm going to come back here and, you know, jump right back in. So thanks for, for covering. Awesome. Yeah, we missed you, man. Lots going on this week. So I'm really glad that you could join this week is, of course, FOMC just happened yesterday. We have CPI to cover, not just the Fed either, but the ECB raised rates as well. So we'll go through part of their statement. So lots to do here today. If you guys are watching right now, like, subscribe let's get these numbers up share 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 in the bear let's go baby so. best information in macro absolutely yes sir, yes, sir. okay on bitcoin so magazine more more admin notes up front is fedwatch the podcast version is leaving its own feed and going on to the bitcoin magazine feed so this will be the last episode that is on its own feed just go and find the bitcoin magazine feed and make sure you're subscribed and you'll find it there every week also I do live streams that you can follow at Ansel Lindner on Twitter spaces or on in the telegram t.me forward slash Bitcoin and markets been doing those pretty much every weekday. So would love to have you guys come over and listen into those. All right, CK, do you have any admin notes up front? Yeah, I fixed my lighting. So that's one admin note, but no, <laughs> Hey, Nolan has been saying this on Bitcoin magazine live and the breakup, but come celebrate the end of Bitcoin winter in warm and sunny Miami, May 18th through the 20th at Bitcoin 2023. I am personally so excited to be there. We are hard at work planning an awesome event. And, uh, you know, you can expect a little bit of a FedWatch and some other goodies over at the Bitcoin conference. So we are bringing together what is left of this industry. And we are going to show force in Miami, May 18th and the 20th. And I cannot wait. So come to the biggest Bitcoin event in the world. 
BM Live that saves you 10%. Actually, I believe that there is a code available if you go check out our social media to get a boat. It's almost like a buy one, get one half off on your Bitcoin wow. ticket. So that is only available through the holiday season and ticket prices still go up tomorrow on Friday. So get your Bitcoin conference ticket today. All right. And that's the housekeeping from me. I'm excited to get back into it. You know, yesterday was an FOMC meeting, Powell coming in with big words. You know, we are going to play some of those videos here and dissect live on the show. So Ansel, should we just get right into it? Yeah, we can get into the Powell clips. I do have some slides in the, on the deck that we'll go through along with that. But yeah, setting this up, they raised 50 basis points, exactly what the market expected. I mean, I think it was like 90% were expect on the CME FedWatch tool was expecting a 50 basis point hike. They did not disappoint the market. A lot of people in macro and a lot of macro podcasts, they go in and interpret what Powell is saying. We're going to show you exactly what Powell is saying and then give our opinions on top of that. So yeah, I have the important parts picked out here. And if you are ready, Chris, I think we're ready for the first one. U.S. economy has slowed significantly from last year's rapid pace. Although real GDP rose at a pace of 2.9% last quarter, it is roughly unchanged through the first three quarters of this year. Recent indicators point to modest growth of spending and production this quarter. Growth in consumer spending has slowed from last year's rapid pace, in part reflecting lower real disposable income and tighter financial conditions. Activity in the housing sector has weakened significantly, largely reflecting higher mortgage rates. Higher interest rates and slower output growth also appear to be weighing on business fixed investment. As shown in our summary of economic projections, the median projection for real GDP growth stands at just 0.5% this year and next, well below the median estimate of the longer run normal growth rate. All right, so can we bring up the chart that is slide number five? This is the chart that he was just talking about. It is the change in real GDP. I, I, what I wanted to say about this chart, first two things, this is real GDP. So this is minus their inflation, which they use PCE to subtract from nominal GDP to get the real GDP. And you can see it in 2020, huge dip, obviously from COVID and the lockdowns. And then it skyrocketed over 5% in 2021. And now they're, they're projecting for this year to have 0.5 and also next year, 0.5% GDP growth. So that is a huge decline. All right. And a lot of people that are betting on a really hard recession coming. I think what people are getting tricked a little bit in, they're feeling this huge crash from five or 6% GDP down to basically zero. And there it feels like a recession. So that's all I wanted to say about this chart. CK, do you have any thoughts? I mean, people are definitely feeling it. So if I could just add in a little bit of like man on the street sentiment analysis, people are stashing cash. They're upset about how expensive rents and mortgages are. And I, I just think that people, and obviously, you know, jobs being lost, things are getting tight. And this deleveraging, if you will, that's kind of being mm -hmm. forced on the market right now, you know, everyone is feeling it. We're, we're seeing it kind of just ripple through the economy. So, you know, 
I don't know, you know, how much sentiment data and just talking to people, you know, actual people in the economy kind of goes into making these projections. But, you know, everyone and their mother knows that things aren't right right now. Absolutely. Oh, and I also wanted to point out on that chart, you don't have to bring it back up, Chris, I'll just talk about it, is the, you know, the projection is to slowly get back to 2% growth. Now, 2% growth is horrible. It's absolutely horrible. You know, it feels like, you know, if you're growing at one or 2%, it feels like you're in a depression, right? It feels like, and that's what we've had since the, the great financial crisis, really. So they're just project. they're even in their best case here, they're just projecting getting back to a shitty economy, which I think is crazy. All right. Are we ready for the next clip? All right. All let's right, roll it. Let's roll it, please. Despite the slowdown in growth, the labor market remains extremely tight with the unemployment rate near a 50 year low, job vacancies still very high and wage growth elevated. Job gains have been robust, with employment rising by an average of 272,000 jobs per month over the last three months. Although job vacancies have moved below their highs and the pace of job gains has slowed from earlier in the year, the labor market continues to be out of balance, with demand substantially exceeding the supply of available workers. The labor force participation rate is little changed since the beginning of the year. FOMC participants expect supply and demand conditions in the labor market to come into better balance over time, easing upward pressures on wager, wages and prices. All right. And we also have that other chart that he was just about to show there. That is slide number six, please, Chris. And uh, so this is the unemployment rate. And you can see it, obviously, it had a big spike in 2020. We're kind of right back into trend. He did mention labor force participation rate. And there is a lot of maybe discrepancies here between the two different kind of unemployment surveys. So actually, Chris, if you could go to slide number nine, this shows the difference between the household survey and the establishment survey. And the red line measures employees and the green line measures jobs. So that means since May, that's when the total number of employees peaked there now is a 1.8 million dollar job job differential so that's people getting second and third jobs so this labor market that's tight really isn't all that tight people are just leaving the labor force in droves powell's also talked about the the great retirement boom or something they're calling it where you know people are retiring early and they're leaving the labor force and so the labor force participation rate just continues to decline all right so ck do you have any thoughts on unemployment and what Powell said. Well, I mean, we did talk about earlier in, a, in an earlier episode, you know, this kind of trend that is really gaining steam, which is taking multiple remote jobs and working three or four multiple remote jobs. So, you know, what we're seeing, at least anecdotally, is the most productive people are, you know, running two to three, maybe even more full-time jobs. And then there's this mass exodus of people leaving. On top of that, it, when people early retire, you know, I, I think that there's this like meme that older folks are like not with it or anything like that. But in reality, when it comes to a lot of labor, a lot of skilled labor, a lot of white collar labor, you know, older folks are the most experienced, most senior, most productive people there. So if you see kind of like this brain drain of experienced people before the appropriate amount of time for younger folks to kind of get 
acclimated to different industry that could affect productivity as well. So, I mean, you know, I, I personally like to zoom out a lot here and say that like human action is influenced by the type of money that we use and the way that you know, human action is being kind of influenced by bad money, by the US dollar today, by the incentives that are created, known or unknown by the by the Fed and other, you know, financial institutions that are kind of controlling how this money works. It, it's breaking down. And, you know, people are, I think they're reacting logically to the incentives that are in front of them. You know, yeah, they're not getting jobs because you know, for a number of reasons, but primarily, you know, that's not really where money comes from anymore. Money is kind of decreed out and, and the incentives are driving people to do what, you know, what pays them. And sometimes unemployment and retirement and, you know, taking out of your 401k and pension is what pays you better than, than toiling at, at, a, at a job you don't care about. Yeah. Great points there. Also the, the people that retire early, you know, they aren't, they aren't paying income tax anymore. They'll probably be paying some taxes on their, you know, selling and living off their investments unless they're in a, you know, tax exempt sort of IRA or whatever you have. And that, regardless, that's one, taxes are going down from that. Taxes, from that tax group. receipts. Yeah. Tax receipts are going down, but also passive investing. So, you know, pass, one of the things that has been really sea change over the last 20, 30 years is the amount of people just passive investing. And if the most productive people are retiring early, that is less of that monthly buying that is happening in the, in the market. So very, very interesting. Okay. Are we ready for the next clip? All right. Let's right. Do let's it. do it. The median projection in the SEP for the unemployment rate rises to 4.6% at the end of next year. <clears throat> Inflation remains well above our longer run goal of 2%. Over the 12 months ending in October, total PCE prices rose 6%, excluding the volatile food and energy categories, core PCE prices rose 5%. In November, the 12 month change in the CPI was 7.1% and the change in the core CPI was 6%. The inflation data received so far for October and November show a welcome reduction in the monthly pace of price increases. But it will take substantially more evidence to give confidence that inflation is on a sustained downward path. Price pressures remain evident across a broad range of goods and services. Russia's war against Ukraine has boosted prices for energy and food and has contributed to upward pressure on inflation. The All right, so... Um Whenever these people talk about CPI and inflation, I just can't, I, I can't, I can't do it. I can't handle it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what's stuck out to me there is this sustained downward path and they need substantially more evidence of inflation coming down, quote unquote, inflation coming down, but they can't like, let's say they get this sustained evidence in six months. They're like, okay, we have enough evidence now, but th there's some other war that kicks off, right? Maybe China invades Taiwan and then boom, prices go way back up again. The thing is that they are totally conflating prices with money printing. So I think that's very important to note. But also this gives us a chance to jump into discussion on CPI here. So we're going to break in to Powell and we're going to go over a few slides for the CPI. 
right well, before can I, I do just that, jump in. Uh, yeah, go, yeah, go, go. Can I just jump in on the conflation between CPI and money printing? Yeah. Like CPI is a measurement of prices, and those prices are affected by a number of different things. You know, <laughs> Powell said it in in the clip right before this, like the war in in Ukraine is affecting energy costs and food costs. Like that's not money printing. That's not inflation. It's not inflation. That's that is war. Like that's why those prices are going up. So whatever you think you're doing that's combating CPI prices is is a mute point. And that's why I just can't take it seriously. Like it, it's one of those things where I'm just like face palming infinitely because of how dumb he sounds. Once you kind of like logically align this reality, which is that CPI doesn't equal money printing. It's just measuring prices. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So let's get into the CPI that did come out there for November month on month. It was 0.1%. So that is the fifth month in a row with a very low month over month print. The year over year rate that you hear people talk about 7.1% that you can just forget about that because we are worried about the what the actual prices are doing right now. If you take the last five months, so July through November, and you annualize that, CPI should only be 2.4% on an annualized basis. If we get one more month, let's say December comes in and it's 0%, okay, month over month, that gets us down to 2%. And that's the goal of the Fed. The problem is that they're looking at the wrong number. Obviously, they're looking at the year over year. And now we have five months of evidence saying that inflation has peaked or CPI has peaked. Now, when they look at core and stuff, that's a little bit different. But let's let's dive into a couple more charts. So, Chris, could you pull up number 10? This shows just the year-over-year year inflation rate, and you can notice that, it, I mean, it goes in cycles. It usually peaks and comes down pretty rapidly, right? Well, we've peaked right now, and we're going to come down rapidly. There isn't really any place on the chart that looks like we look today, you know, with the top and coming, starting to back down, that didn't just drop precipitously after that. So pretty much CPI, especially on the year-over-year, year, CPI has peaked and it, it's rolling over. Let's go to the next slide. CK, jump in whenever you want. This one is a month over month, and I did a really long-term chart. You can see it go includes the 70s. And when you go back to the, on the left of that Love chart. It. It's uh, always you, best to zoom out. Yeah, when you go back in the 70s when we had you know the great inflation, that's what they call it from back then, you can see that there was a lot of space between the, the zero line and the rate for a long time, pretty much the whole decade. It's really high up there. Now, if you go all the way to the other extreme on the right-hand side of the chart, that's right now. It barely has a little gap there underneath the blue line before the axis, and now we're back down to zero. So let's go to the next one. This is just zoomed in here, showing since pretty much the great financial crisis, and uh, yeah, showing that we're, we have hit peak CPI and we're coming down. And the last one I have here, CK, that you might find interesting. So let's go to the next one. This is CPI less shelter. And, you know, we talk about the shelter component being a huge lagging indicator, especially right now. So if you take shelter out and you look at CPI, 
we're negative. We're it's like negative 0.4%. So once that shelter starts rolling over, I, I totally expect over the next few months, we're going to get, start getting some negative CPI prints. And when that happens, the year over year number is going to, you know, just dive off a cliff and come right back down to one, 2%. All right. So those are the extra CPI charts I have. Do you have any comments on those CK? I mean, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, you've been talking about how rates are going down and CPI is coming down. You can go look at the gas pump right now and it's much mm. cheaper than it was. It's, it's very noticeably cheaper. Like it's so much cheaper that like, I didn't know how to estimate how much it was going to take to <laughs> fill up my car the other day. Cause I was just not used to it, but yeah, I, I, I think that, that that cost of living element, like that is one of those things that really strikes people in the face, especially people that are currently kind of in this transition from home to home or contract to contract or lease to lease right now, because it mm -hmm. is still so inflated, especially across the US. I'd be very curious to see like what the public sentiment is with prolonged lower fuel prices, as you say, with the turnover and stuff like that. I, again, it's it's been interesting kind of, it, you know, being able to like ask normal people about how all of this is affecting them. And for many people, you know, they're still unable to, you know, get favorable terms on, on, on loans and stuff like that. So until that starts changing, I can imagine there's going to kind of be this lull in, in housing and other, other markets where it's not really reacting to, you know, everything else in the, in the market. Absolutely. And think about like, so that last chart I showed, where, which was CPI, less housing. If you have on, been on the same lease or with the same mortgage, right? A fixed rate mortgage, you're actually experiencing negative CPI right now. That's pretty crazy to think about. Yep. I mean, I'm trying to think like where else I feel like spending is still, you know, life is still expensive right now, but Food. that's just a gut feeling. Yeah. Food definitely. I've I've noticed that food is a big a big one, especially for us. We have four kids, and man, these kids just they'll eat you out of house and home with these high <laughs> high grocery prices. But anyway, are you? So are, is, is that what's reflected in in the data as well? Is that food and housing is still extremely expensive? Yeah, food and housing are kind of like the stickier ones at this time. But other goods and energy they're they're dropping. They're dropping rapidly. So energy, like you, you said, gas prices coming down. Energy prices are really pulling down a lot of things. And since it's baked, since that is baked into the cake in pretty much everything we do, lower energy prices means everything is going to start coming down. And hopefully that does pull food, food down as well. The Bitcoin Magazine podcast is brought to you by CrowdHealth. With open enrollment upon us, what if you didn't have to pay healthcare premiums anymore? What if you can invest in Bitcoin instead? With CrowdHealth, you can choose your doctors, put aside money for your health expenses in your own account, and even hold a large part of it in Bitcoin. Pay one low monthly total to fund an account that is yours. If a large expense comes up, CrowdHealth will crowdfund the bill for you to pay quickly. Go to CrowdHealthBTC.com and use code BTCMAG and experience freedom from health insurance by utilizing Bitcoin. Right now through the end of the year, you can get your first six months for just $99 per month. Don't get stuck in a bad insurance plan again. Instead, go to crowdhealthbtc.com and use code BTCMAG to sign up. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for healthcare. Terms and conditions may apply. 
Come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from May 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your tickets before prices go up. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. You ready for the next one? Let's do it. All right. For total PCE, inflation is 5.6% this year and falls 3.1% next year, 2.5% in 2024 and 2.1% in 2025. Participants continue to see risks to inflation as weighted to the upside. Despite elevated inflation, longer-term inflation expectations appear to remain well anchored as reflected in a, in a broad range of surveys of households, businesses, and forecasters, as well as measure, measures from financial markets. But that is not grounds for complacency. The longer the current bout of high inflation continues, the greater the chance that expectations of higher inflation will become entrenched. All right. So that was the end of the main part where he was talking about the economy. Then he gets into talking specifically about the what they have done, you know, what their policy is. So he breaks down his press conference very logically. He talks about the economy, then about what they're doing. Of course, I said they raised 50 basis points and they're they're going to take a step-by-step -step or a meeting-by-meeting -meeting approach to this. And they, he didn't really let on what they're going to do at the next meeting or what they're planning to do other than they're going to continue until the job is done. He used that phrase over and over again, but that's all I have to set up this next clip. It's kind of a short one. So are you ready to watch that one through CK? Let's do it, baby. All right. At today's meeting, the committee raised the target range for the federal funds rate by a half percentage point, bringing the target range to four and a quarter to four and a half percent. And we are continuing the process of significantly reducing the size of our balance sheet. With today's action, we have raised interest rates by four and a quarter percentage points this year. We continue to anticipate that ongoing increases in the target range for the federal funds rate will be appropriate in order to, to attain a stance of monetary policy that is sufficiently restrictive to return inflation to 2% over time. Over the course of the year, financial conditions have tightened significantly in response to our policy actions. Financial conditions fluctuate in the short term in response to many factors, but it is important that over time they reflect oh, the policy restraint that we're putting in place to return inflation to 2%. We are seeing the effects on demand in the most interest-sensitive se sectors of the economy, such as housing. It will take time, however, for the full effects of monetary restraint to be realized, especially on inflation. In light of the cumulative tightening of monetary policy and the lags with which monetary policy affects economic activity and inflation, the committee decided to raise interest rates by 50 basis points today, a step down from the 75 basis point pace seen over the previous four meetings. Of course, 50 basis points is still a historically large increase, and we still have some ways to go. As shown in the SEP, the median projection for the appropriate level of the federal funds rate is 5.1% at the end of next year, a half percentage point higher than projected in September. The median projection is 4.1% at the end of 2024 and 3.1% at the end of 2025, 
still above the median estimate of its longer run value. Of course, these projections do not represent a committee decision or plan, and no one knows with any certainty where the economy will be a year or more from now. All right, so let's take a look at that chart one more time. Chris, if you could pull up slide number eight, please. This is their famous dot plot, and it's just showing you, you know, each dot is a member, and they're saying where they think rates will be. And it looks like next year, you know, he said 5.1%. So that would be raising the Fed funds range another 75 basis points from here, basically, before the end of next year. Now that doesn't match with what we're seeing from yield curves, right? From other yields, we still have the 10 year that's sitting at 3.5%. We have a 10 year sitting at 3.5% and they think they can keep rates, the Fed funds range above 5% for a whole year. I don't think that's that's possible. He also mentioned over and over again, 2%, 2%, 2% as their target. And that's gonna be important for the last clip that we show here, but just wanted to point that out here. Lastly, CK, sorry to keep rant, ranting on here, but lastly is this is like a soft pivot, okay? In my opinion, I know people say, oh, you're gonna change your definition of what a pivot is. A pivot goes from hiking to cutting. Not necessarily, okay? If you go back and look at 2019, it was a nice rounded top on the pivot, right? It took them six months to start cutting, but once they started cutting it, it, they really got to zero very quickly. Last month, they added some new language to the press release with which was cumulative tightening. And then this month they cut from 75 down to 50 and next month or next meeting, perhaps they just go to zero. So to me, that is a pivot, that is a change of direction. And I think they're trying to slow roll the pivot. All right. What what do you what are your thoughts on the dot plot and the pivot that is it a pivot or not? Well, you know, I, I think that first of all, never apologize for going on a rant because you are the reason people <laughs> watch this show. I don't think people actually care about what I have to say in general, but I'm gonna say it regardless. I think the narrative here and it, what is gonna be interesting is exactly what you're pointing out, which is that the real yields of these bonds are going down. Mm -hmm. They're indicating that interest rates are not going up, that they're actually in the actual market going down. So the thing to watch here is how the Fed will react to, you know, the narrative that they're setting versus what is actually happening in the market and what that divergence looks like. So yes. that's what we're going to continue to call out here on this show and keep watching. And I'm absolutely fascinated because I think what is happening in the world today is people are waking up to the realities. That is, you know, they're waking up from their Gilman's amnesia, or maybe Gilman's amnesia is like this middle stage. But effectively, what that means is like you start seeing that the media and you start seeing that all this different stuff is not adding up and the system mm -hmm. doesn't work the way that they say it works. And I think the Fed making massive policy errors. And, and moving forward with their silly CPI equals inflation kind of mindset, it's going to wake a lot of people up. And that is the key here. So maybe 2023 is the year that that happens. We will see if they pivot and what their talk track looks like and how it develops. Absolutely. When you're saying, when you're talking there, I was thinking like, man, are, are they going to break something? Are they really going to break something? I think what happens or what they... The way they think about it is if we keep going 
and something breaks, then people believe in us even more because we broke something, right? But if they err on the other side of being, you know, letting the market actually be in charge or saying that the market is in charge, telling the truth about these things, then people will start losing confidence in the Fed more. So I think maybe they want to try to break something or I don't know. It's, it's a very weird. In, in clown weird world, good is bad and, and bad is good. So yeah. <laughs> it, it makes complete clown world logic to me, I guess. Very, very true. All right. We have one more clip here. And what is interesting about this one is, like I said, that 2%, their target is 2%. And there's been talk in the macro sphere about, are they going to change that target? Because a lot of people think inflation is not going to come down or CPI, whatever, is not going to come down. And so they think, oh, well, the Fed will have to change their target or they'll never reach their target. And so that, that's been floating around there. But Powell answers that pretty quickly. So if, let's go to the next clip, please, Chris. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Grady Trimble with Fox Business. You've reiterated today and the committee has reiterated its commitment to that 2% inflation target. I wonder, is there ever a point where you actually reevaluate that target and maybe increase your inflation target if it is stickier than even you think it is? That, that's just, uh, so changing our inflation goal is just something we're not, we're not thinking about. It's not something we're not going to think about. It's, it, we have a 2% inflation goal and we'll use our tools to get inflation back to 2%. I think this isn't the time to be thinking about that. I mean, there may be a longer run project at some point, but that is not where we are at all. The committee, we're not considering that. We're not going to consider that under any circumstances. We're going we're gonna to keep our inflation target at 2% and we're going to use our tools to get inflation back to 2%. All right. So he totally shut it down, but he did say something kind of at the end of a sentence there. He said, it might be a longer run project but not right now. No, we're not even thinking about that. But just saying the, those words, longer run project, now has opened the door. And a lot of people are saying the Fed is saying inflation is going to be high and they're going to have to increase their target. Now, this also is in context of they have changed their target quite a few times. You know, it used to be they were trying to get to 2%. Then in COVID, remember in like 2020, they added on that they'll let it run hot for a while. They'll overshoot 2% so that they can target average inflation at 2%, not 2% being a ceiling or anything. We talked um, about this so, on the show. Yeah. So now they, they are being questioned if they're going to change again. So anyway, what do you, what do you think about that CK? Is it a big deal or not? I mean, I don't know what we're supposed to do. Are we supposed to read the tea leaves with this guy? Or are we supposed to ignore him? <laughs> I, I can't tell. So I'll let you read the tea leaves that you're saying it's a big deal. We've been tracking that on this show and we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, that's all I have for the FOMC and the CPI. Should we go through a few charts here, like the Bitcoin chart and see how it responded this week? Oh, you're muted. We haven't talked Bitcoin yet this on the show. So let's absolutely jump into it and let's get through some charts and then maybe we talk Europe. All right. Chart number one here. I just added some important dates onto this chart. You can see Terra Luna, Celsius. Then it looked like we were going to break out and then FTX collapsed. And we're, but this is interesting, guys. And I've said this on my live streams. I've said this on this show several times that that bottom back in June, that's right where we're at right now. 
So it's been all the way since June and we're pretty much at the same same price. That is extremely strong for Bitcoin, in my opinion. Any thoughts on this chart? CK? I love the little rocket ship. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love the rocket ship. Yeah, I mean, I am very interested to see what Bitcoin does here. I'm very interested to see if we can kind of get past that resistance that is overhead from from the bottom of, of the Celsius crash. But, you know, I've seen sentiment like Bitcoin has bottomed all over Twitter, which makes me think that we're probably in for some more pain. I think it really just depends if this contagion, you know, it seems like the 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 rumblings about the contagion has slowed down, but I just don't think it's over yet. You know, we haven't had a conclusion of Genesis. What has happened to Genesis? I guess we've had a conclusion with we had a positive conclusion for the short term with Core Scientific, which is a huge miner. I guess mm -hmm. they just got a massive bailout loan. We'll see what happens with Genesis. We'll see what happens with Crypto.com. That was those rumors swirling around that. Nothing's happened yet. Binance seems to be under stress and being fudded, which I think when it comes to these exchanges, the FUD is good because we want to stress test them. Them, you know, saying, oh, here's proof of reserves, blah, 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 blah. The only real proof of reserves is can I withdraw the money? So yeah. um, if they're solvent, they're solvent. It shouldn't be an issue if they're if they're rehypothecating, not managing risk correctly, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, so this this chart is kind of busy, but if you go to the next chart, Chris, it's just a much more, you know, plain chart. And you can see that resistance zone that we're going up into this week, surprisingly, has been strong. Bitcoin has kind of, I mean, it's still correlated with the stock market at this point, but I think it's looked stronger. It definitely has looked stronger over the last couple of weeks than the S&P 500. So yeah, I just wanted to point that out. All right, let's go on to the next slide. This is one that I talked about during the Fed, the FOMC yeah, section. Yeah, this one's important. This and is the most see, important chart of the show every single week, y'all. So pay attention. Yeah, you can see the, the 5, 10, 30, all of them are under the previous Fed funds range. This new Fed funds range now has leapfrogged above the two-year even. And the one-year and the six-month they're inside that new Fed funds range. So the, the Fed really doesn't have any place to go. And we'll see if this affects the rates. You know, if the, if the Fed is really in charge of setting interest rates, we should see these rates climbing, right? But we don't. We see them actually falling. And yeah, so interesting chart. Any comments, CK? Like I said, this is the most important chart. Ansel, you should tweet this chart out and just say, is the Fed in charge? Question mark. And that's it. You know, that that's been your thesis. That's been the thesis on the show. And, you know, we've been watching this chart continue to escalate. And it's like, you know, the the the, the yields for these bonds are going down. And yet the Fed continues to stair step up. So uh, something's got to give something's got to give. Yeah, just I mean, look at this chart and then ask yourself if the rates keep diving. How fast? is the Fed going to cut rates when they cut rates? It, it could be extremely quick. They could cut rates by 100 basis points, boom, or even 200 basis points. I mean, they have 4% to deal with. They could really cut two basis points all at once to catch back down to, to the, the market. But yeah, very interesting chart. Okay, last chart I have here of just macro is the S&P 500. Really bad day today. The market did not like what Powell had to say and they didn't, I mean, CPI was amazing and it 
everything rallied real hard. Then Powell came out and poured some cold water on it. It is in a support area. If it gets support here, then it can bounce. It's not horrible. Like everybody seems to think the S&P 500 and the stocks in general are going to crash through the floor. But look, it's it's still 10% off the bottom. It's I, I don't see why people are so concerned just by looking at this chart. So any thoughts on the stock market, CK? I mean, you are you are the rebel Bitcoiner. You're the one who's bullish on stocks right now. Yeah, I mean, you're you're completely right. We are off the bottom from October, so it's been worse. And if you are correct that the Fed is going to pivot, and if you are correct that you know they may have to adjust a lot to match up with real yields, you know, we could see all the cash that's currently sitting on the sidelines, you know, pour into pour back into risk. So you know if. If you, uh, this could be a great stacking opportunity if you want to allocate to to the stock market. I know that I I'm mostly just focusing on Bitcoin these these days, Obviously, but yeah. you know if if things turn here or if the Fed is forced to change or they break something, I think that that bodes well for for Bitcoin and it probably bodes well for for other scarce things. Yep. All right. So those are all my charts for today. Should we go in? How much time we got? About 15 minutes left. Let's. Uh, yeah, probably 10 dive. minutes. Yeah. Let's hit Europe and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. All right. So the last one I have here, slide number 14. So the ECB, supposedly it's the second most important central bank. I don't know. It's very, it's nobody even talks about it. It doesn't even make any headlines really at all. But since we are a central bank show, I wanted we to talk, talk about, about it. Yeah. We talk about it a lot. So here we go. Hey, just they talking said, about how relevant they are is a big talking point, I think. And back to you. Sorry. True, true. Okay. So the governing council today decided to raise the three key ECB interest rates by 50 basis points. And based on the substantial upward revision to the inflation outlook, expects to raise them further. In particular, the governing council judges that interest rates will still have to rise significantly at a steady pace to reach levels that are significantly restrictive to ensure timely return to inflation of 2% medium term target. So sounds very much like the Fed moving down here. So then beginning in March of 2023 and onwards, they're going to begin QT. So they are going to decline their QT at a rate of, or decline their balance sheet at a rate of 15 billion euros per month. That's what they announced. Next slide. Moving on, they talked about their inflation. I mean, I, I follow their inflation, but a lot of people, they don't follow what's going on in Europe. And if you think that the US is having bad inflation, Europe is way worse. So the governing council decided to raise interest rates today and expects to raise them significantly further based because inflation remains far too high and is projected to stay above the target for too long. According to Eurostat's flash estimate, inflation was 10% in November, slightly lower than the 10.6% recorded in October. The decline results resulted mainly from lower energy price inflation, food price inflation and underlying price pressures across the economy have strengthened and will persist for some time. Skipping down here, the Euro area economy may contract in the current quarter and next quarter owing to the energy crisis, or sorry, owing to the energy crisis, high uncertainty, weakening global economic activity and tighter financing conditions. So yeah, that's, that's all I have for their statement. As you can see, it sounds a lot like Powell, a lot like the United States. 
they have higher inflation, they have higher problems, yet they have not raised nearly as much as the Fed has, and they're facing oh, they're, a they're worse. Behind. Yeah, they're behind and they're facing a worse energy crisis, obviously, than the United States is. So, yeah, not looking good for Europe right now. Uh, what are your comments well, there, CK? Clearly reacting to the Fed, I think. And when I, I, there was a clip on Twitter of, uh, of Powell saying that he's going to be raising interest rates by 50 basis points. And I just retweeted it and I said, you know, the Fed punching down on other on, on the rest of the world. Mm. I should have said punching down on other central banks because that's really what he's doing. You know, whatever whatever the Fed is doing, it is hurting other fiat and other central banks and other people with dollar liabilities. So I think that's the key here. But ultimately, you know, we've kind of watched the the ECB really let's just say maybe challenge the Fed in terms of like they weren't going to follow the Fed's lead. And then they've had to completely 180 and, and, and cry uncle. And that has not been helped by Europe's domestic policy, as well as, you know, the conflict with, with that's happening in Ukraine and Russia. All of that has made things a lot more difficult. So, you know, you've been, you've been pushing a bearish Europe sentiment for a while. And, you know, seeing that their central bank is really you know, not all that powerful. And even if the Fed can't do much, they can do even less. And they are really having to force to stick to the Fed's narrative. It's I think it's bearish for, for the ECB and continues to confirm the, the opinion on the show. Yeah, and it's not only energy, it's also food, because, you know, they're kicking out those 3000 or closing down 3000 farms in the, ne the Netherlands, which is the second largest food exporter in the world, right? They have very productive, like per square meter, it's like one of the most productive places in the world there. So, and they're shutting everything down. That's going to cause food inflation to go up or food prices, I guess you should say food prices on top of these energy prices. And we don't know, man, it's, they've gotten a first couple blasts of cold weather over there too. So we'll see how this, this goes throughout the winter. So that's all I have. That's all I prepared. Do we have any other topics that you would want to bring up, CK? Oh, muted. No, I mean, I think I think that this is a great place to wrap. And, you know, just as winter is starting to pick up, things are cold here in Nashville. Mm -hmm. We know for certain that mm -hmm. things are going to be warming up in the spring, into the summer, May 18th, 2023, Bitcoin 2023. Come celebrate the end of the winter, the end of Bitcoin winter, hopefully. Hopefully Ansel is 100% right and we can celebrate higher Bitcoin prices and celebrate Bitcoin and come together in person. So don't miss out April, May 18th through the 20th. Prices are going up tomorrow. Come see Ansel and I in person, the entire Bitcoin magazine team and all of Bitcoin Twitter, the entire Bitcoin industry. So that is my closing shill. You guys can follow me at CK underscore Starks. This show is dropping every single Thursday. We are keeping track of what is happening at central banks. Ansel is, you know, keeping an eye on all of it and bringing it here to the show. Ansel, where can people learn more about all the amazing work you're doing? I personally, I've been loving the Telegram group and the live streams. I've been tuning in every, every few days just to make sure I stay up to date for this show. Where can other folks stay up to date with your work? Well, we lost our YouTube channel because supposedly the censors there didn't like one of the things, one word I said or something, I don't know, but you can listen to my daily live streams on Spaces if you follow me at Ansel Lindner. Also, Telegram is now kind of my home base for all of my content. Go to t.me forward slash Bitcoin and markets. That's it. 
Let's wrap it. All right. Chris, thanks for helping us with the show. You're the man. Everyone watching, thank you so much for tuning in. Peace. What is up, audio listeners? Thank you for enjoying another episode of FedWatch. Down in the show notes, you will find all the appropriate links to our social media, the original version of this podcast, and community links. Also, check out BitcoinAndMarkets.com, where I put out a free weekly newsletter every Friday. And there you can also help support the show by signing up to become a paid member. See you next time. Come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from May 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLive to get 10% off of your tickets before prices go up. Bitcoin is for everyone. Lefties, righties, and rejectors of the false dichotomy alike. And that is why the newest Bitcoin magazine print edition is called the Orange Party Issue. It featured articles by President Naya Bukele, Jeff Deist, Beauty On, Natalie Smolensky, Eric Kaysen, Max Kaiser, and Jimmy Song. Get your copy at your local Barnes & Noble's bookstore or from the Bitcoin Magazine store at store.bitcoinmagazine.com and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off your annual subscription today. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com.